You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 at the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. Lance Meadow, Paul Dettino, Jeff Fiegel's with you for the next 60 minutes as we're here to break down all that is happening with the New York football Giants. And you can also interact with us on and off the air at hashtag Giants Chat as well as our own Twitter handles. And a reminder, you can find the archive of this show on our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app. Podcast platforms everywhere and at Giants.com slash podcast. So today we're continuing our opponent previews as we get set for the 2022 regular season. And we are heading to week eight on the schedule, Sunday, October 30th. The Giants are going cross-country as they are visiting the Pacific Northwest to battle the Seahawks, a 425 p.m. Eastern kickoff. And to set the stage for what to expect from the Seahawks this season, we are now joined by former NFL linebacker who suited up for the Seahawks and the Broncos. You can hear him on the Seahawks radio network as the color analyst, and that is none other than Dave Wyman. Dave, you got Lance Meadow, Paul Dettino, Jeff Fiegel's here on Giants.com, Big Blue Kickoff Live. Greatly appreciate the time today. Hope all is well. How's everything on your end? Everything's great. It's good to be with you guys. I don't think I've uh, heard or seen from Jeff Fiegel since the mm-hmm. time ago, Dave. celebrity <laughs> golf tournament out here. I know. It's been yeah, a while. Good to be on with you guys. I, uh, How are you doing? Good. I saw your name on you know, our sheet, and I said, oh, my goodness. And I thought the same thing, Dave. It's been so long. Um, yeah. Ever since they shipped me off to New York, I never, I never left. So I'm, I've stayed, stayed here <laughs> going on my 20th season. Uh, over here, well, not season, but you know, years in in the area. So it's been great. Yeah. Glad to hear you. Awesome. Uh, glad to hear you're doing well. We appreciate you coming on with us today. To talk a little bit of Seahawks and a lot of transition for you guys. <laughs> and Dave, just so you know, considering you last saw him at a golf tournament, Jeff is still honing his skills mm-hmm. in that department. We just want you to know in case you were concerned. So, yeah. well, yeah, I got you know the kickers are always solid with the golf game. Always <laughs> solid. You can just count on that. Exactly. That's There's how we no doubt about that. Yes. He has fulfilled those expectations and some. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, don't get me mixed up with the kickers, Dave, please. You know? They're, okay, they're, sorry. They're, I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah, I just call them all kickers. I know you do. I, it's but... common, and I just have to make sure that people know the difference between the two, and there is quite the difference. 
<laughs> wow. Kickers, punters, everything in between. They're all people. Well, the punters are more athletic, yes. Lance. You know okay. that, right? I mean, yep. you, we've talked about this many times. So. See, I thought you were going to yeah. say the punters hold, and without the holder, there is no kicker. Well, yeah. I mean, we, that's, that's just an odd. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, well, anyway. the punters, I'll just say this. The punters way less weird. There you go. <laughs> way less weird. weird. That's okay. one way to put it. We're just normal, <laughs> normally weird, but we're way less weird. Okay, that's cool. I got it. Yeah. That's fine. You guys got your quite a punter up there in Seattle. That's for sure. I like. I've liked to watch him over the last. Well, I don't know. He's been almost five years in the league now, right? So he's he's a good one. I really. Yeah. He's uh, he, Australian guy. I'm not too keen on the Australian punter guys, but you know he's he's one. He's a good. Yeah. He's a good one. Well, we will yeah, maybe he, bring he's up. A great. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, he's a great kid. Yeah, and by the way, they spent a draft choice on him, and I, I remember uh, we were up here, and one of the analysts, I think it was Ray Roberts, he's like, wait, there were no offensive linemen that we could have been in this round? <laughs> and I'll tell you what, man, he, uh, he is a weapon. He's really good. I, I love watching him, you know, pin guys back, and uh, like he'll, he'll uh, in the warm-up, I mean, he'll hit the one-yard line almost consistently, and you know, he knew, knows how to spin it and, and the whole thing. So, you know, yeah, he's, he was really worth that pick. Well, that, of course, is Michael Dixon. Leave it to Jeff Fiegels to start off the conversation with the punter <laughs> because we know clearly that's the biggest storyline in Seattle, yep. Dave. I'm sure the entire fan base is so yeah. overly concerned about the punting yeah. game. But I'm going to now bring us back to planet Earth, and, and let's go to maybe the top of the food chain, and that is the quarterback yep. battle because Russell Wilson, I know, spoiler alert, is no longer in Seattle. He goes to Denver in the trade. So the question is, Drew Locke comes over, and then Geno Smith, Dave, who filled in for Russell Wilson a little bit last season due to the finger injury I know we haven't seen them battle in camp yet but if you were to best assess how you think perhaps things are going to play out where would you put it right now yeah and by the way I was stalling so we didn't have to talk about our quarterback <laughs> because, you know we uh I mean it's been we've been spoiled for for 10 years I mean Russell was phenomenal but for whatever reason he wanted out and so you know this this trade was and I don't I don't care what he says and he's a good guy. I'll always love Russ, but, um, you know, he went out, and so they were kind of forced into doing this. But I think, you know, to answer your question, Drew Luck needs to be that guy because, first of all, you know, he's part of the trade with Russell Wilson, but I think also I think he's the one that they think has the most potential. And, you know, no, nobody on this list, whether it's Jacob Eason, who's the third-string quarterback, or Drew Locke or Geno Smith has much of a resume. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of counting on Drew Locke to, to be that guy. And they're trying to capture – there was a stretch of games his rookie year where I think he went 5-1, and one and I think you know, everything was going right for him. You know, he's, a, he's an early second-round draft choice. Um, they're, they're thinking that they can get that out of him, that maybe, you know, Vic Fangio wasn't able to do that in Denver, and they can get something out of him, get Pete in there, give him a bunch of confidence – Geno Smith, as far as he goes, I'll say this about Geno. I think being backup quarterback in the NFL is one of the hardest positions because you have to be prepared as much as the first-string quarterback. And, you know, for Russ, he was a, a rep hog during the weeks. I mean, he wanted 95% of the snaps. So Geno, you know, for, what, three years, four years, didn't even get a chance to get in a game. And when he finally got in, when Russell hurt his finger, he was ready. He took him on a touchdown drive, and, you know, he actually – you know, won a game, and so you know, I think, I think he's he's a pretty good backup, though. I think there's a reason why he's a backup. So, 
if he's starting um, in you know at the beginning of the season, I think it's going to be a little bit longer ride as far as finding your true you know number one quarterback because that probably means that Drew Locke did not work out and so you know well because he's had plenty you know he's been in the league for for a few years so he's uh, he's had plenty of time and if he's not ready by the time the season starts or you know maybe midway through then that's probably a bad sign and you're probably going to have to go on a longer hunt to find that franchise quarterback i got to take a step back here just a second and ask you about pete carroll because obviously he's getting on in years but the man has more energy than many many 35 year olds and i understand that but this is the first time now where he hasn't had franchise quarterback, franchise running back like years ago with Marshawn Lynch, franchise players on defense, where it was all there for him. I mean, he's always had, in my opinion, a contending roster that he was able to go into the season with, Dave. Now, I don't know. Maybe I don't see this, but I'm looking at a team right now that roster-wise, it's a far cry from anything he's had to deal with over the last decade. So I'm wondering, what is Pete's biggest challenge as the head coach of this team as he tries to, and I'll let you pick the word, retool, rebuild, juggle. I don't know what the word is, but but I think you know what I'm getting at. Yeah. Well, and you, you're talking about, I mean, everybody's calling it a teardown and, and, you know, that whole thing. I think here's here's where they are. I think for them, this is 2010. So 2010 is when they first came in here. They had two first-round draft choices, which were the highest picks that they've had since uh, until, you know, this last year where they got Charles Cross at number nine. And in that year, they got Earl Thomas and they got uh, Russell Ocone. And then, you know, I think they got K.J. Wright in the fifth round or something like that. And I think, you know, Richard Sherman in the in the fourth round. And, you know, and I'm probably off on those, but – they were late-round draft choices, and they started to retool in 2010. This was that was the first year that they came in, uh, Pete and Russ, or uh, Pete and uh, John Schneider. So you know, I think that's kind of how they and they didn't have a quarterback at that time. It was kind of painful. It was Tavares Jackson. It was Matt Hasselbeck who was hurt, and then they brought Matt Flynn in. And so you know, then 2011 was another really good draft, and then 2012 is where they got Bobby Wagner, Russell Wilson. So I, I think they're they're kind of in that phase, um, you know, where they're they're trying to build a team. And you're right about Pete. I mean, he's the youngest coach as far as the way he acts and the way he treats his players, and you know how much fun they have and all that stuff. So I think they're kind of, I think they're kind of happy to be where they are right now. They don't have the drama of the the quarterback. I mean, you know, that's been going on for a couple of years now since 2020 is where Russ started talking about. Um, you know, being traded and not being happy in Seattle and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think they're, they're kind of excited about it. But, look, <laughs> you know, most people would say, well, that's a tough position. Pete Carroll would say, no, I'm excited. This is great. I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> so that's, just, uh, that's just the way he is, man. Just make sure you have enough of packs of gum in there within yeah. the vicinity. Well, I'm sure that, I'm yeah. sure that somebody yeah, has right. that job for the Seahawks. To make sure that Pete Carroll has his gum package somewhere around. Um, you know, when you look at this team and you go back to 2012 and starting to, I like the word, do you say it's a retool? You know, a lot of people use a rebuild and all that kind of stuff. But I think I look at this this roster and the draft that happened this year. 
Um, you know, there's a lot of really good players that we all evaluated and, and we do a draft, uh, not a draft show, but we, you know, for five, six, seven weeks, we're, we're going through all these. Stuff. I'm looking at some of these names that the Seahawks drafted this year. Kenneth Walker is one. Obviously, yeah. Charles Cross is another. Abram, Abraham Lucas was another lineman that we had uh, we had done some work on and Kobe Bryant. So and Boye Mafi, all of these guys collectively, I think, have a future in the National Football League. So maybe, Dave, you could talk a little bit about what you've seen. Uh, out of these guys that the Seahawks indeed drafted this year and and maybe some of the youth movement that's happened and how they're how they're going to look towards you know playing time for this year coming up and how they've looked in the offseason yeah well for the first time they've pretty much universally gotten an A for their draft but this is also the first time since a long time that they've had you know high draft choices Mm -hmm. and and I know with you know John Schneider's come under a lot of criticism about some of the like Rashad Penny L.J. Collier, you know, some of the uh, Jermaine Effetti, you know, they had a a kid, uh, Malik McDowell, that never ended up playing in the league. So, but, you know, they've always kind of had these late-round draft choices. And I know for Schneider, he thinks that, you know, a lot of people think uh, the 22nd pick is a first-round pick, and he doesn't. He A lot of times he thinks there's only, like, 15 first-round grade players. Well, they got in the first round. They got, you know, first part of the second round. And, you know, but they've been getting guys like Rashad Penny who haven't been, you know, kind of, they haven't been working out. But they've also very quietly been getting guys like Chris Carson in the seventh round, you know, so, mm-hmm. and he was good until, until he got hurt. Um, but yeah, I think this is a good draft choice. And, you know, I think Schneider would tell you it helped to be in the top part of, uh, of those picks. So, you know, yeah, they, uh, they feel pretty good about it. And, you know, I've been watching some of those guys. You mentioned Kobe Bryant. I mean, that guy looks like he's just ready to play right now. I mean, he, he was actually, you know, they were letting all the receivers catch the balls in, in rookie camp and then some of their mini camps. And there's a couple of times he had such good coverage and he just laid off, you know, let the receiver make the, make the catch. That guy looks like he's ready to go to me. Uh, Ken Walker, the running back out of Michigan State, looks really good. You know, you mentioned the two offensive linemen. I mean, they got Boye Mafe. They've got some really good players. That, sure. But, you know, there's lots of question marks, man. I mean, you look at the outside of the field, the two corners, which, number one, I think Trey Brown, the kid from Oklahoma, hurt himself last year. I, to me, he is a starter. But, you know, the outside part of the field, that's where all the money is made. You know, your two offensive tackles. You know, those are probably going to be rookies. Um, the defensive ends, the guys pass rushing. You know, they got a guy named Daryl Taylor. Um, they got, like I said, Boye Mafe. I mean, it's there's lots of question marks on that those outside positions on, on this team. So, you know, and that's where, you know, I always say corners get paid more than safeties. Tackles get paid more than guards. I mean, that's because of the hash marks in the NFL, the wide side of the field. I mean, you've got to be able to have speed and play out there. And that's where this team's, other than quarterback, that's where their, their biggest question marks are. We're talking with Dave Wyman, former NFL linebacker. You could hear him on the Seahawks radio network. He is their color analyst. I want to expand, Dave, on your point about the offensive line because if I'm correct, you were referencing the two rookie tackles, Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas. I believe that's the first time since actually John Schneider and Pete Carroll joined forces that they took a pair of offensive linemen in the first three rounds. And I'm sure Russell Wilson saying to himself, I leave, and now all of a sudden you address the offensive line that high in the draft. What the heck's going on? So the reason why I'm bringing it up is it's fair to say, Dave, Russell Wilson was the eraser 
when he was the quarterback, there were times where the line wasn't very good, but his mobility, right, he's able to at least overshadow some of the issues up front. Drew Locke and Geno Smith, not necessarily the same case. So how do the dynamics now of the offensive line maybe become even more of an issue under the microscope with a new quarterback? Yeah, I think if you're uh, from outside of Seattle, you probably think, yeah, Pete Carroll's really trying to stick it to Russell Wilson, right? <laughs> you know, by <laughs> drafting these these tackles, uh, you know. But yeah, they just haven't. I mean, they've tried with, like, Jermaine Effetti, I mentioned. He was a number, I think, 26 pick in the draft in 2015 or 16. So, yeah, they've tried to do that. But, yeah, it's uh, the offensive line, the interior part's really good. They brought Austin Blythe from uh, the Rams over, and then they got a couple of guys, Gabe Jackson and Damian Lewis, that are really good guards. But, you know, Charles Cross, I mean, if you're a top-10 pick, I mean, I, I feel like he should fit right in and, you know, be, be you know, able to, to get that job. The other side, though, is a little bit more of a mystery. They got a kid named Jake Curran, who was an undrafted free agent from Cal, uh, last year who they really like but Abraham Lucas probably needs to to you know lock down that job so but yeah I mean you, good offensive line that's I mean you just build that I think most teams would say you know start with the trenches and that's just kind of what they did and it's funny you know I hadn't thought of it that way yeah, until you just said that about <laughs> Russell Wilson thinking that and a lot of people, I was joking around saying, well, you don't have a quarterback, so what do you need offensive linemen for? But, um, but no, it's, uh, that's kind of, that's how you build your team. And, you know, they, they did a pretty good job with that. I, I think that there's going to be, like I said, a lot of eyes on that offensive line, though, because, and, and I mentioned Damian Lewis. He was a third rounder that started every game in 2020, his rookie year. He took kind of a step back. They moved him from uh, one side to the other, and I thought he struggled because of it. He went from right guard to left guard. So he said it, it didn't bother him, but he's got kind of a prove-it year coming up here. But they feel like they're pretty solid in, on the inside part of the offensive line. But those tackles, the young guys got to prove themselves because it's probably either going to be, you mentioned Abraham Lucas or Jake Curran, who is only in his second year. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah I, yeah because you gotta think Love he's it. gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's gonna guard. He's gonna exactly. guard like you see him in the Olympics. Exactly. He's gonna guard, and then on I'm top of that, like that, see that, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to point game. I remember you came out from crying tears, <laughs> crying. Tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then he's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? Because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dave, you mentioned before about getting rid of the whole distraction stuff uh, with Russell Wilson the last couple of years, but D.K. Metcalf, and I know you've read the papers too, uh, there's talk about, well, what are they going to do with him in terms of an extension? And now McLaurin got the big money with Washington. And is Metcalf going to be a guy next in line? And then how much is it going to be? Or is he going to gripe? And is he going to find his way out of there? I think regardless of what he does this year, two-part question, A, do you think they can keep that situation under control so that he's productive? And B, 
How big a deal is Noah Fant, who came over in that Denver trade, going to be to their passing game? Yeah, well, first of all, I, I think um, a lot of people, number one, they think because he's a wide receiver, he's a diva. And, and that's not a bad assumption, right? <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> typically if you have a diva on your team, it's one of the, it's one of the wide receivers. He's really not that way. He's had a couple of uh, outbursts on the field. Um, but he listening to him talk like, you know, he was going to therapy and, you know, and he was kind of making jokes about it. Uh, he also tweeted out something that was in defense of Drew Locke, you know, so I think they're going to be able to sign him, but also they're going to probably give him a lot of money because he's the superstar now. I mean, Bobby Wagner's gone. Russell's gone. You don't really have a superstar and he is a superstar. The kid is just amazing. I mean, everybody's seen the, the play where he runs down Buda Baker. Um, yep. on the interception and and the thing about that play by the way the Seahawks stopped them on fourth down and then they turned around and went on a drive the other way it was about an 80 yard 90 yard drive scoring drive where DK Metcalf had two key blocks so I mean that guy will do everything he's just a football player so I think they're going to pay him I know it's going to be some ridiculous amount it's going to be sticker shock but but anyway yeah I think he is he's the guy that uh that you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he got, you know, between 25 and $30 million a year because he's that kind of guy. And because I'm a linebacker and I hit my head a lot, what was B? Sorry. I was about Noah Fant. And even though he just <laughs> oh, came Noah over Fant, from yeah. Denver, how much of a part of the passing game can he be right away? Yeah, I think he's a really good athlete. Um, I don't know that they used him the, the way. I was kind of looking at some film on him. He has a pretty good sense for route running. But after he gets the ball, there's not a lot there. You know, he doesn't turn into a running back. But I think I think the sleeper at tight end is a guy named Will Disley, who they paid a ton of money for, you know, $8 million a year. And he's been hurt. His first two years he was hurt. But if you look at, you know, his career, if you take those injuries out, um, he is really – and they didn't target him last year. I think they targeted him 27 times, and he had 24 catches. So, and I think the tight ends are going to be big. I think that they're going to, you know, there's also a guy named uh, Tyler Mabry, who is a, kind of a sleeper that they have. So, yeah, they're, at tight end, they're really, uh, um, I, I think they're well-stocked there. I think Will Disley will be the the tight end that makes the, you know, the most noise this year, if he can stay healthy. But Noah Fant, we'll see if they can develop him into, because, you know, again, he's part of that trade. And, you know, that'll that's always a good thing, like I said about Drew Locke, if, if the guys that you got, like Shelby Harris, out of that trade, and then the draft choices that you got from Denver, that'll uh, I think that'll do a lot for Pete and John's morale. You know, mm-hmm. to know that they got good players out of that Russell Wilson trade. You know, Dave, we've talked a lot about you know uh, Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll, DK Metcalf. We have yet to mention Bobby Wagner. I mean, when you talk about the soul of a team, a soul of a defense, a guy that's been in that organization since the day he was drafted, now going into the division with the Rams. um, Talk to me a little bit about, you know, his departure. What's that going to do for that defense? I think Jordan Brooks is probably going to be the guy that's going to replace him. The the defense also lost DJ Reed, who was another really good football player. So we're going to maybe flip over to the defensive side. Uh, I'm looking at this roster, looking at kind of the off the defensive side of the football. I think the D line should be pretty good with Quentin Jefferson, their addition there. Maybe take us through a little bit about the Seahawks defense and the transition they're going to make this year uh, with Clint Hurts and, and that group. 
Yeah, first of all, Bobby Wagner just loved that guy. I mean, he is yeah. such a good man and just never even heard like a ripple from him, anything off the field, just nothing but positive. The one thing about Bobby over the last two or three years, and I'll just put this very, um, you know, I don't know, if you played linebacker, you probably know what this means, but he he didn't hit anybody with his head mm-hmm. for the last couple years. So, you know, he was just kind of more of a finesse linebacker he made tons of tackles he makes lots of plays on the ball and things like that but you know I don't think he's lost a step I just think that he's become a little bit more less physical um and then I think the but you know look that's a loss no matter what Bobby Wagner is just a just an awesome superstar guy that you want on your team but um but you know as far as his replacement I think as far as leadership goes it'll be Jordan Brooks but as far as the position goes there's a guy named Cody Barton that I've been talking about for four years since his rookie year and he just never got a chance because whatever reason yeah. uh Bobby wanted a hundred percent of the snaps that like he prided himself on that so Cody never really got a shot at middle linebacker where he's where he's really good so you know, I think um, Brooks will call the huddle and all that stuff, and he'll be the will, and that's the guy you want. He's the best linebacker they have. But this Cody Barton kid, number 57, if you watch him, he's really, you know, he's kind of a little bit clunky. He's not as smooth, but he makes plays, man, and he's really physical. So I think that's going to be the guy that, um, that, that replaces Bobby. But as far as, you know, the defense, the most exciting thing that's happened in this entire offseason, in my opinion, is – hiring Clint Hurt as the new defensive coordinator. And you also brought in Sean Desai, who was the D.C. in Chicago. And I think last year Chicago's pass defense was like top five, and their overall defense as far as yardage was top five because of Sean Desai. The Seahawks, on the other hand, for over the last three years, they've been either number 28, 30, 31 against the pass. It's just been they just be giving up so many yards, and I think that's going to get tightened up. There's also a guy named Carl Scott that they hired from that was uh, – I can't remember where he's coaching, but he, he uh, was a coach at Alabama, and he's really sharp. I mean, this guy is – these guys are like – you know, Sean Desai has his doctorate, I think, in education or something like that. I mean, these guys are, are really <laughs> sharp football guys. So that, I think how they played it, and that's what frustrated me over the last two years, was how they were playing things. They were giving up so much stuff in the middle of the field, and not anything over the top necessarily. But like you know, they were they weren't crowding receivers. You saw guys jumping short stuff, which I would have gotten fired for doing <laughs> that. You know? I mean, if, if you're in a zone and it's second and 17 and you jump the five-yard route and the ball sails over your head, Goodbye. yeah, you're standing next to the coach. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, that kind of stuff went on, you know, for a lot of it. I was so frustrated watching that, but I think it's going to be a lot different. I know Clint Hurt pretty well, really good guy. I mean, that guy's a head coach in the making. He just has that it factor, but – I think they're going to, you know, hold this defense a lot more accountable. I think it's going to be, you know, and Pete, he wanted to make it very clear because we, we've kind of said, well, it's sort of Pete's defense. He's the defensive coach. And, you know, Pete kind of bristled with that. He said, hey, I'm, I'm not the meddling coach. I'm going to let these guys do what they want to do. And, you know, and that, so they're kind of um, sort of building a little bit more of a 3-4 defense, which just means you need different personnel a little bit, you know, a guy that can drop into coverage and rush the passer. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it'll be 
vastly different from what you've seen as far as scheme goes. But, you know, probably the strongest position they have on defense is safety. And sure. You look at Quan and Jamal Adams, who both are spectacular. But anyway, yeah, I, I think that's going to be probably the biggest leap that they take this year is that defense is going to be a lot better. They're not going to be, you know, just bleeding yardage, especially in the pass game. Well, and something else that could help, Dave, as you could attest to, is getting after the quarterback. And interestingly, yeah. not to say that they were overwhelming in that department. They had 34 sacks last season. But Carlos Dunlap and Rasheem Green, two guys who were two of their top three sack guys, no longer on the team. So I guess my big question is, Daryl Taylor, second-round pick of 2020, how much more are they expecting out of him? And I believe he dealt with a neck injury last season. And the arrival of Shelby Harris in the Russell Wilson trade, how much do you think he can also help in terms of getting a little bit more push at the opposing quarterback this season? Yeah, well, and like I mentioned earlier, you know, the, the outside part of the field, the defensive ends, I mean, the pass rushers, as you just said, yeah, Daryl Taylor is something special. I mean, he is so raw. And, you know, I was watching him last year, and there were, you know, there was two or three sacks that he probably left on the table because he's young. And he just, his, his route, you know, I always say for defensive, uh, you know, pass rushers, they have to be really stingy with every inch on the field. And a lot of times he would kind of loop around or, you know, he wouldn't push into the tackle as much as he could. But, he has got a ton of talent. Daryl Taylor is a really good player, and I think you know they're counting on him to be a starter. That's going to be a problem if he's not their leading sack guy because, yeah, that, that's what they brought him in for, and he's shown that potential, and he has it. It's just, it just kind of raw, you know, because he missed his whole rookie year. So last year really was his rookie year. There's another guy named Alton Robinson that's kind of a sleeper. He was, a, I think, a fifth-round pick from 2020 that, you know, had a really good rookie year and didn't do a whole lot last year. So, yeah, I mean, and then, you know, Mafe and then some of the linebackers, those guys are going to have to, you know, get after the quarterback a little bit. And, you know, but there's some unproven guys there. But, you know, like I like I mentioned, uh, I also forgot about uh, Uchenna Nuosu, um that they got from the, the Chargers, who's a really good uh, pass rusher. So, yeah, there, there's a question mark there. No question about it. Watch out for Daryl Taylor. I think he's the guy with uh, the most raw ability, and he's got some he's got some great moves, and he's a really good football player. Well, you know, whatever questions we may have about the Seahawks roster this year, between Pete Carroll and Larry Izzo, they've got the most energized coaching staff, I think, in the league. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, we miss Izzo here, uh, Dave. He he was he was quite a character and a thrill to be around. And I I know one thing: if you play, if you're playing for Izzo, you're going all out. He probably could still play. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I love that guy, man. And, you know, what's funny is uh, uh, I guess the guys kind of tease him, some of the special teams guys, because I guess sometimes uh, he'll put some of his highlights in there. Uh, but I, I'm telling you, oh, man, man, I mean, I, I go to these guys all the time. I go, do you have any idea what a badass that dude over there is? Mm-hmm. And you look at Larry now. He's like, I don't know, he's probably 5'10", and looks like he weighs about a buck eighty-five. And that guy was just, yeah, awesome. And he brings a lot of energy to that special teams group. And all the guys that, you know, are on the special teams, they have a real special connection. Guys like Nick Ballore and Ben Burkirvin, I mean, they love Larry Izzo. So, yeah, he is, uh, that guy is awesome. I love talking to him on the road. Yeah, he's a a good coach. Well, the thing about it, and, and, you know, 
we talk about this all the time, especially at the kicking and punting position. I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to just mention it. <laughs> but the fact is, is that, you know, at that position in, in terms of coaching, there really has never been, at least in my situation, I've never had a coach that ever played the position. So, you know, when you listen to a coach who's never played the position, sometimes, Dave, and you know this, it's just like, okay, all right, yeah, whatever. But, you know, when you got Larry Izzo, yeah. who was a stud at the, at the special teams position, that is, that's quite, it's pretty cool to be able to have a guy like that on your sideline, in your meeting room, jacked up all the time because, you know, those are the guys you got to get kind of motivated because a lot of these younger guys, as we know, when they come into the league, they all think that they're going to be starting somewhere, but they're going to be starting on special teams. And that's important for them to understand that because they're not making the team unless they, they know their playbook pretty good. And, and the matter of having, you know, Larry there is just a great thing for the Seahawks. That's for sure. Yeah. I'll tell you what, you, you bring that up. It's, it's a great point about special teams for these guys. I mean, you like for me, I mean, first of all, I had a knee injury, but you know, my, my senior year, I wasn't on any special team. Yeah. You know, so now you come into the league and you got to run down on kickoff, you kick off return. And, and there were some things that I loved and there were some things that I hated kickoff return. Number one, I luckily, <laughs> well, that was a long time ago when you were probably in that wedge. <laughs> oh man. I mean, I, I definitely played my way out of a job there. Yeah. You know, I missed a couple blocks and uh, that was, <laughs> that was really tough, but, but yeah, I mean, to have a guy like Larry around to, to kind of get those guys going because yeah, every guy that gets especially drafted high is uh, – and, and, you know, by the end of my career, I took a lot of pride. I was the mm-hmm. the uh, outside guy on the field goal team, and when I got traded to Den- or signed in Denver, I was like, I want that position. That's, sure. that's going to be my position. I like covering ponds and things like that. So that's what – you know, I, I wasn't good in my rookie year, but you need a guy like Larry Izzo to, you know, explain how important it is because field position, that's one of those things at the end of the game – you know, you look back and look at all the, the yardage, the average starting point, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff is so important. Hidden yardage. Hidden yardage. I mean, nobody really emphasizes yep. the hidden go. yardage. And uh, I remember I had one of my special teams coaches, Al Roberts was his name. He would start our uh, Monday meetings off after a game on Sunday. And in bold letters, it was hidden yardage. Who won the hidden yardage? And, that, and I'm telling you, every time you yeah. win that hidden yardage, you're winning football games. It's, people just don't understand how big of a statistic it is. It's not talked about enough. So that comes from special yeah. teams. Dave, exactly. before we yeah. let Alvin Roberts, yeah. I had him too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you and I, if we really got together, we'd go over all these people and coaches if we can remember them all. I, 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 I can't all the time. But uh, we probably have a lot in common as far as that goes. It's the yep. six and seven degrees of Jeff Fiegel's right. and Dave Wyman by you the time we get through this program. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Given all the connections you guys have across mm-hmm. the league. Dave, before we let you go, and greatly appreciate the time and the insight. Interestingly, yesterday we were previewing the Houston Texans, who the Giants are also playing this season. And while they have Davis Mills, there's speculation, hey, maybe they'll make a move for a Jimmy Garoppolo or another quarterback. I know we started off the conversation about who they have internally, but I'm just curious. I know he's within the division, and it's probably highly unlikely, but in the event that they go through camp, they're not content with either of these guys. Pete Carroll says, hey, I really want to make a push this season. Any chance, or how would you put it, that maybe they do try to make an aggressive move for either a Jimmy Garoppolo or another quarterback within this season? Yeah, you know, we, we kind of uh, kicked that around a few weeks ago when that whole thing came up. I mean, a lot had, has to happen. they got to cut Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, they're not gonna they're not gonna pay a guy sure. like that a lot of money. But you know, as far as like an existing resume, 
that's out there at quarterback, if he was out there, it would be by far. I mean, I don't know how much they want to pay him, but Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, look, he can't throw the ball well outside the numbers. That's that's the knock on him. But if you look at his record and you look at some of his seasons where, you know, close to 70% completion percentage, not a lot of interceptions, doesn't make a lot of mistakes. You know, and I know he took a hit. Uh, there was a podcast or something about how he didn't play hurt one time and some of his teammates didn't like that. But, I mean, I, I think other than that, he is a good, solid guy. So, yeah, I mean, that's still a chance. But I really – I still think that the Seahawks want to go with – I think they're going all in on Drew Locke. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. It's it's tough. Uh, I, my co-host, I have to calm him down sometimes because oh, like, really? you don't always get a guy. <laughs> you don't always get a guy with a resume. You know, it, and he's like, well, I don't see it here. And I'm like, well, I don't see it either. But, you know, we didn't see it before Russell Wilson. You know, we didn't see it before, uh, you know, Bobby Wagner came in here and, you know, was a second-round draft choice. I mean, yeah, it's uh, you, you got a kind of a, a leap of faith there, and I, I think that's what it's going to be. But, yeah, we, we have kicked around the Garoppolo idea, and I don't think it's a, it's a bad one. You know, I think he's sure. a good guy. And, you know, I mean, shoot, I don't know if you guys saw the send-off where, you know, he, uh, he told all the media how much he loves them down there, and, and I'm like, wow. You you love the media. We're the enemy, man. We're the, <laughs> you know, I don't know how that happens, but anyway, yeah. He, he, I think he's a really good guy, and I think he's a good, solid uh, quarterback. Well, I'll leave you with this: calming down a co-host. The reason why Jeff chuckled is we can relate to your situation, Dave. Yes. So you know, yes. we, we go through yeah. that from time to time on this very program. <laughs> we won't name anybody who no. may be in the vicinity of yeah. us, but We're we understand. The cause that you have to deal with on a daily basis. He is Dave Wyman, former NFL linebacker. You can hear him on the Seahawks radio network, their color analyst. Dave, great talking with you. Really appreciate you coming on and breaking down the Seahawks. And we look forward to seeing you later on this season. Thank Thanks, you, Dave. Dave. Be well. Thanks, guys. Good talking to you. Yeah. Take care. Love talking to you guys. I'll talk ball anytime. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Six Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, Thank you. You got it. Our pleasure. Some great stuff out of Dave Wyman in terms of what to expect out of the Seattle Seahawks. And I brought up the Houston Texans right at the end of the conversation, guys, because it's really interesting. The Giants are playing two teams who I could say could very well look very differently in terms of the feel and cohesiveness of the teams by the time the Giants see them in Week 8 and Week 10, respectively, because they have them in a very close proximity. you got Seattle on the road Week 8, then you have the bye week, and then you're going to face the Texans. 
the quarterbacks were assuming right now? Are they going to be under center at that point? Are they going to be that much more comfortable within their respective offenses? I think there are a lot of similarities between both of these teams. Well, you mentioned the bye week before the Giants play Houston. Now, if there's going to be a change, let's just say the Texans wind up doing something radically different, especially with the quarterback, as you are suggesting, at least the Giants will have the bye week to try to do something to somewhat prepare for whatever adjustments are necessary. That's not the case with Seattle because they're going to Jacksonville and then going right to Seattle that following week. A little bit less time, a little less leeway there if all of a sudden something goes down with the Seahawks and they're forced to swap signal callers. Now, at the same time, I'm guessing that if Drew Locke is the starter, uh, their options are kind of limited. Geno Smith is probably the number two. I can't see Jacob Eason becoming the number two guy and then suddenly getting that job right away. And I think we all know what Geno Smith is. I mean, he's, he's a backup. He, and and sure. he played here with the Jets, and he also was here with the Giants for a year. So I don't know that that would necessarily give the Giants a lot of trouble. Well, they know Geno, Jeff, because you, I think we're hitting on this. I mean, Geno took over Russell Wilson last year, mm-hmm. and Shane Waldron is the offensive coordinator. I mean, they've been exposed to him up close and personal. Sure. That's why I understand why if you're Pete Carroll and Dave Wyman was getting at this, they want to do everything humanly possible to have Drew Locke win the job because, A, they were forced to make the trade because Russell Wilson wanted out, but they saw what Geno could do last season, and you know the ceiling with Geno Smith. That's you know, a you're real not go... good incentive to want Drew Locke to win the job, don't you think? <laughs> well, I would say, yeah. I mean, joking all aside, though, but in all seriousness, you can understand why Seattle wants to try to create an environment where Drew Locke is going to run away with this thing. My issue with Drew Locke is I think the guy still has potential. Denver didn't do anything to help his cause, guys. Let's not forget about this. Remember, mm-hmm. he had how many different offensive coordinators? over the course of his three years there. And then if you remember, coming out of college at Missouri, that guy had a different offensive coordinator for every single year he was in college. I understand sometimes a quarterback needs to take the next step forward moving forward. But, Jeff, in fairness, we're talking about Daniel Jones like this and Baker Mayfield. It's fair to say Drew Locke wasn't necessarily given the ideal circumstance. No, and I think that – and this goes for all of those guys that have been in those types of situations is that the new staff has to be able to understand that, okay, listen, where did this guy come from? How did he go? Well, let's not make that mistake. Let's Even though this is a new system, let's give the guy a little bit of of leeway here and let's try to, you know, work with him a little bit because, you know – the foot in football, the quarterback is the difficult, most difficult position to play. And it's not easy when you're in different systems. Now, remember, a lot of the plays are the same, but their terminology is different. And so they all kind of run together. My God, if I was a quarterback, I don't know what the heck I would have done trying to remember some of this stuff. There's no way. You know, hey, what's your name? Where are you playing? You know, but I mean, it's very difficult for those guys. And I think that the coaching staff, if they understand the potential out of a guy, that they don't quit on him early. Um, it could mean b- bigger things. And, you know, and really in the case of Daniel Jones, here we are again. He's got another system he's going to have to learn. But I feel like this system is going to be a little bit more fun for him to learn. I think he's going to have a lot of help with some of the people around him, including a better cast of guys, big people in front of him when he's under center. <laughs> there, there you go. go. There yeah. you go. The number one priority. Yeah. We'll see what it always there. helps when you have the guys in front protecting and fat guys, handling their business. We yes. call them fat guys. When I was in the locker room, they were fat guys. <laughs> they're not fat anymore. I mean, well, a lot of the not, guys that you played you with are not Neil? fat anymore. Yeah, yeah. They're not fat anymore. That's they what I'm saying. Down. By the Correct. way, Lance, next time, well, I know you haven't had a chance to, to be with Evan Neal in person. This guy is the most well put together, six foot seven, 
335-pound specimen I've ever seen. Jeff, he doesn't look wide. We, we've talked about this. There's, there's no just, wideness there. There's no, he's not wide. He doesn't have a gut. He doesn't have, you know, stuff hanging over his belt. No, this, this dude is just a specimen. Uh, he, he belies that old, you know, stereotype of the offensive lineman just being a big blob. Yeah, that's not Evan Neal. No, and I actually, it's funny you mentioned that because when I spoke to Kyle Flood on a recent edition of the Giant Subtle Podcast, he was his old line coach for a few years at Alabama. I, we were talking about that, how you look at him and he doesn't look like the typical offensive tackle because normally they're wider and they're, you know, bigger in terms of volume, but he's more of, you know, built like a guy that could almost play a tight end position and run some routes. He's and so well put together. I'm going to tell you. Very unique. Wait, when, when training camp gets started, okay, Marcus, uh, Marcus McKeithen. The linebacker. No. No, um, the offensive line. Oh, the offensive line. North Carolina. North Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah. Right. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm going to tell you something. That is a large, large oh, yeah. human being. He's wide. He's tall. He's six foot seven, 335 mm -hmm. pounds, folks. He puts the kitchen staff to work. Yes. And when he puts a helmet on and in cleats, he's probably seven feet. It's unbelievable. The guy is just, and I, you know, and and they're him and um, Zudu, uh, the other, the other Joshua Zudu, yeah, the, his from, teammate. They're they're teammates from North Carolina. Yes, they're both big boys, and they walked in. I saw them walking into the facility today together. Mm -hmm. I look like a, I and look you like made an sure ant. not to squeeze in the yeah, door at the same exactly. time. Exactly. I was right? like, hello, yeah. gentlemen, how are you guys doing? <laughs> you know, looking up to the sky. They're that big. They're ducking underneath the. Uh, but but on to my point, these guys are they're not fat anymore. They're in, they're in great shape. They're strong. They're athletic. They're fast. And it just you know that's the way the NFL is today. These guys are they're training that they go through starting from high school to college to get into the pros is just immense. And these guys are just they're studs. And uh, hey, you know they're wealthy studs because by the time they get here, they're making a lot of money and they deserve it because they you know the, what they go through to, to get there is, is awesome. So I'm excited to see these young guys play. Of course, we're a couple of weeks away, but we'll we'll get there soon. Paul cannot wait. I can tell you right now. None of you have seen him the last few days and his excitement of being back in the building and just seeing all of the all the tents and all the seats and everything out by the <laughs> practice facility. He is going nuts. Absolutely yeah, crazy. I mean, nowhere in the history of mankind has there ever been a football facility with seats around the field. It's yeah. uncharted he was, territory. He was pumped about the grass yesterday. Well, yeah. the grass, too. Well, also, no one has ever grown grass at a facility either. So, you know, these are new experiences for a lot of people. You guys yeah. ought to see once they put down the hash marks. <laughs> now, the now. The smell of white paint. That's when I really lose it. What about them repainting the spots in the parking lot? How about that? Does that? No. The yellow rock ones, your you know, boat? No. No. no, no. I mean, Wait, but that means, but hold on a minute. They if had they're to close fixing the facility, up, remember, because no, of that, right? No, but if they're, if they're fixing up, well, I'm talking about to MetLife Stadium, yeah. the spots around. If they're They've repainting already done that. that. They already did that last month. Okay, we'll see. That's a, you that's already a few, know that. That's a few weeks and, old. But that didn't get you excited? No, no, because it's not the field. Yeah, the but that's field. also preparation. The field for games. is what matters. Wow. Smell, the, the grass, field. you know, all that stuff that goes into The field of dreams, if you will. The real right. field of dreams. The oh. gridiron grass. So are you telling you. me that there's going to be football players coming through imaginary grass to coming, come play coming, coming through the field? Is that what's going to happen? Coming through yeah. the swamp coming of the Meadowlands. Yeah. That's something. Wow. I'd love to know where they've been hiding. Anyway, Giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2022 season. Speaking of the upcoming campaign, 
In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just 100 bucks. Call 888-NYG-1925, or you can visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. Also, don't miss your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giants games and world-class concerts in 2022 as a Giants suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available, or you can place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925, or you can visit Giants.com slash suites for more information. As this is Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live, we're continuing our opponent previews. We're getting down to the nitty-gritty, have a few more opponents, and then obviously we'll be focusing on the division rivals. In addition to that, with the build-up to training camp, on our website, we have a series of questions that we are posing that a number of us are answering it, and it is 22 questions in 22 days leading up to camp. So I thought, guys, we could throw out a few of them to yeah. see where we stand with respect to some storylines to look out for over the course of the next few months. And two in particular that jump out to me with respect to individuals on the team. Let's start number four in our series. And once again, our listeners can go to Giants.com to check out all these questions. The number four is... Who is primed for a breakout season in 2022? And you can really go in a variety of different ways. Oh, yeah. You can go with a veteran who maybe has another opportunity now with a new team, or you think it's a young guy. There's a lot of different directions here. Well, you see, if you're just going to go for breakout in the sense of become star caliber, I think Xavier McKinney is the guy who's going to make the Pro Bowl this year. I think, I think he is that good. He got that much attention last season, even though the Giants had a poor year. A lot of people were talking about him because he was making plays. And I, I think he's got the best chance of raising the bar to that level. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't other players who can have, quote, breakout seasons. But if we're going to talk about potentially stealing a Pro Bowl bid, I got to go with McKinney. How about you, Lance? I think McKinney's a good one. You could even say he was scratching the surface of the Pro Bowl last season. He was, Remember, he was right? going that way. Yeah, and I by mean, the way, that's what a it lot takes. Of it does, yeah. You know, it's, it's hard to make the Pro Bowl, and usually you make it the year after you should have. Right. That's kind of because, sure. and that's kind of the, you know, the, the, the breaking into it a little bit. But now people, he's on people's radar. People know who he is. And now he'll get a little bit more votes and stuff. Of course, the Pro Bowl is just a joke anyways. But the way that the voting goes, it's a popularity contest. But in order to get popular, you have to start to play well so people know who you are. I think he's a prime example of that. Who else do you think there, Lance? Well, I think the defense has the biggest potential because there's so many young guys on that side of the ball. Yeah. So that's where I was focusing when this question was posed. I think Aziz Ojolari is another strong candidate. Now that all of a sudden you have Kayvon Thibodeau opposite you and you showed some flashes last year, I still go back to his sacks are in bunches. They weren't necessarily evenly distributed, but the fact that he has a little bit more talent around him, could he take the next step forth? And I'm not going Pro Bowl level. I don't know if I'd go that far. But because to me, guys, breakout also can mean consistency. You I'm have a better you. idea, yeah. right, what you're getting out of the player game in and game out. So I think, I mean, he certainly fits that bill considering, remember, in comparison to McKinney, guys, he actually played a full season his first year. McKinney only played six games. Sure. So last year, as you were pointing out, Paul, this was really his first full season to get his feet wet. Ojolari has a little bit of a leg up on McKinney because he was exposed to a full season. No, yeah. no doubt. And I think, you know, to be frank with you, when you factor the injury thing into the whole equation – Kadarius Tony becomes another intriguing guy that you might want to list 
because as a rookie, he missed so much time. And if he gets to play a full season this year, his numbers are going to be uh, astronomical compared to what he put up last year. And he he was if you if I'm going to go offense and defense, I give you offense. He was my he was my guy. And because I feel like together with Dable and Kafka. I think they're going to find a way to get the ball to Kadarius Tony. Now, this all it predicates itself on him being healthy because that's what will get him to the next level is playing, let's just call it 15 games, okay? If he's 15 games and he gets the production, that's a breakout year for him, right. more importantly because he stayed on the field. But because the way this offense is going to be designed is going to be another one. I think this is a sleeper. It's, you're, you're not going to be like, how could this be a sleeper? But I feel like this this person has a lot to prove. Because if he's going to want to make a next contract and make some money, he's going to have to have a breakout year. That's going to be Saquon Barkley. I mean, he is coming into the second year. He's healthy. He's going to be in an offense that's going to put him in great position to succeed. And he's a contract year. Those are big things for players. Okay, so he might have another guy. I agree with you, Lance, on on Ojolari. He's a guy that's going to have a lot of opportunity because of who they drafted on the other side and Kayvon Thibodeau. He's going to command a lot of attention. But I think Ozilari is just going to continue to get better, and especially in the system that he's going to play in. Now, I'm not going to go for Kayvon Thibodeau because he's a rookie and he's got to figure things out first. But I wouldn't be surprised if that guy has an outstanding season himself with, with Wink Martindale telling him what to do. Well, that's a great segue to the next question that I wanted to highlight of the ones that have been published so far. So I'm glad you didn't go there, Jeff, right. because number six on our list is which rookies will make an immediate impact. There you go. And Clearly, he falls under that umbrella. So we'll allow you to start the okay. festivities, considering it seems like you were eyeing him. Well, what I what I will do is I'll <laughs> I, I'll stick with that on the defense as far as the rookie side. But I will I I have a lot of belief, okay, that this wide receiver position um, is going to be pretty interesting as far as going divvying up time. I think Wandell Robinson is going to be a guy that you're going to see yep. inputted into this offense a lot like Kadarius Tony and Saquon Barkley. He's a guy that I think a lot of people are really high on. I, I can definitely see him being one of the rookie guys that could stand out big time. You know what's interesting? By default, the fact that Evan Neal will be expected to play every snap the entire yeah. season, right? But by default, he will play more than any of the other rookies exactly. will play this year. So he kind of has to be, by default, sure. the guy who has I agree. a great breakout season as a rookie. But but that's kind of a, a layup answer. It is because it's just it's one of those things where almost like it's almost like you just kind of expect it, well, right? Well, and when you consider it's probably where, not where fair to picked, him, right? You know, it's probably not fair to him. But it, it's just when you're drafted that high, that's an expectation that you have to live up to. And we know he will play, oh, expected to play every snap. Not even Thibodeau will play every snap oh, on no. defense no, this year. Can't. But Neil will on offense. Yeah. Well, here's if, the thing: if everything works right. Yeah, I mean, Neil's going to be involved, to your point, on every single play. So he's going to have an impact, whether it's good or bad. So that's no the doubt. reason why, to me, he gets factored into the equation automatically. That's why I shied away from him. I mean, it was Jeff who started off, so I didn't even throw in my guy. My guy was who Jeff said. Secondly, it was Wandell Robinson. Mm-hmm. Wandell Robinson is a guy because we don't know his snap count. Robinson, I think, is more of a wild card with all the wide receivers that Jeff was pointing out. Mm-hmm. But I think if you factor in what he could potentially do on special teams and how they can use him in a variety of ways on offense, that to me is a guy that could come in year one, whether they're high volume of snaps, limited volume of snaps, and I think he could have a significant impact. See, my dark horse here, because I appreciate... Is there a sleeper somewhere? I appreciate what you're saying here. See, I happen to think that the Giants had a really good draft up and down. 
I think all of these guys will somehow, some way make the team. And it wouldn't surprise me if all of them at one point or another actually get time in a regular season game this year. I think that much of these guys. And I do think that we will see guys like Beavers Mm -hmm. at the very minimum play special teams. Dane Belton is in on. But no question. No question. But here's my sleeper for a guy who may steal a starting spot, and that's Daniel Bellinger. It would not shock me after what I saw from him during the spring if he winds up jumping over the veterans, uh, Riley Jones and, uh, and, uh, and Akins, mm-hmm. at the tight end position mm-hmm. and winds up becoming the Giants' starting tight end maybe even a month into the season. And, and if that's the case, he will have a big impact. I think he will be the starter. Uh, week one? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, there you go. You're already jumping, jumping a horse. I do. I, I, th- I like him a lot after seeing what I did in, in uh, the offseason. But I, more importantly, I think it's exactly what they drafted him in the fourth round. Okay, so he's not a, you know, not a high, high round. He's not a low, low round. But I think the guy has a lot of upside and potential to this offense. Um, a lot like what, what the uh, – who's the, who's the tight end up in Buffalo? Um, Dawson Knox. Knox. Right. It's kind of a lot like that guy. Right. I mean, and I still I feel like that's why they drafted him, because this is the new table system, you know, to try to develop an offense like that. But I I know the other guys that they've had their time in the NFL. Okay, I think they're they're quality players, but this is a young up and coming guy. I I like him. And and why not get him some experience right now? Throw him in there. Get him some experience at that position in the NFL. I think well, it's not like there's 17 guys in front of him with exactly. an overwhelming amount of experience well, yeah. anyway. Well, Lance made the point yesterday, and I think it may hold a little water here, and that Aikens, tight ends coach at Houston, did come here and help bring right. Aikens to the Giants. So there's certainly a a, um, a connection and an and insistence that this guy can help that, that brought him here. That may, that may put him a little bit ahead of Bellinger at the moment. Now, again, how long will it be before Bellinger leapfrogs both of those veterans? I don't know. I, I do think that, again, Seals Jones and and, uh, and Akins, I think we know what they are, to your point. And I think Bellinger has a lot of ups, which is higher than both of those guys. But how long will it take him to get there? That's right, well, the question. We're going to see. you got training camp. It's only, you know, it's not as long as it normally is. Would, wouldn't shock me if it takes him yeah. only a month. You're saying yeah. week one, and, and that's bold. Well, that's I, my, I my think, second bold position. I think, <laughs> uh, I think he could do it by October. That would not surprise me at all. I, I love the kid. And Dane, Dane Belton is another one that we have not talked enough about. I mean, obviously, Julian Love is in front of him, but, you know, in that safety position is, is pretty good. But I feel like this is a guy, remember, he's a hybrid. So he can play a little bit of linebacker, too. Yep. So I feel like, you know, not particularly concentrating on him at the safety position, but more as a whole, playing, you know, a hybrid linebacker, you know, strong safety kind of guy that's going to come to. He also is going to be a heck of a player on special teams. Like he will play everything. There's no doubt. He will play everything. In fact, he might be that up back on the punt team because that's the kind of guy you want. Yeah. There. You know what I'm saying? I can see it. Yeah. I can see it. Uh, I don't know if you have another question there, Lance, but let me ask you guys this, and I don't know if it's on the 22 questions or 20 questions and 20 days thing. The most intriguing player to me, and I've been telling people this on my Twitter account, I think I've said it on the program before, the most intriguing player to me is Ellison Smith. I truly am really, really enamored with his skill set and his unique physical tools. And what Wink Martindale may decide to do with him. 
I, I just something keeps ringing in the back of my head. Just keep your eyes on Ellison Smith during training camp because if Wink can tap into this guy and unleash this unique skill set on an offense, it could be a very potent weapon. And I don't think too many people are even thinking much about it. How about you, Lance? You got well, I'll take, a page, I'll take a page out of Paul's playbook if we're going to go for guys who are falling under the radar. And I've brought this player up. I don't know if he's going to make the team, but it, let's assume he does is Robert Foster because he's guys oh, sure. the wide receiver that nobody's yeah. talking about, right? I yeah. feel he got signed, if you remember, very early in free agency. He was actually one of the guys added before the first wave, and he was in Buffalo. And I'm not even looking at him as a wide receiver. I'm looking at him as a gunner on special teams. Mm-hmm. And you know, Jeff, I don't need yeah. to convince you. That sure. role is important. So if we're going to use it the way that Paul described it, I think Foster is intriguing from that standpoint. A, can he carve out a role maybe as a complementary wide receiver, a vertical guy, but most importantly, contribute on special teams for Thomas McGee? I give you one nugget here, Lance, and that is – he and Slayton appear to be fighting for the same slot in that receiver room because we're talking about guys who are a little over six feet and yep. both have long-range speed. And if Slayton bounces back and becomes the guy that we all thought he was going to be after a rookie season that, that really you know showed a bunch of flashes – then there's probably not much room for Foster. I don't even know if he makes the team. Well, that's what I said. I said he's far from a guarantee to make the team. I prefaced it that way. But in fairness, though, I don't think Sladen gives you what Foster gives you on specials. So does that justify to maybe keep Foster on the roster on that back end? All part of the equation. I know we're we're short on time. My guy would be Cordell Flott. I I think that he has a chance to maybe move into that nickelback starting position over Darnay Holmes. Um, that's a guy that maybe eventually, not not a right away. I think it's going to take a little bit of time before he learns, you know, playing in the, in the NFL a little bit. But you know, third round draft pick, a guy they want him to play, and so you know, we'll see it. And by the way, uh, Richie James is another guy at the wide I, receiver I was going to go there too, <laughs> because honestly, he really he took advantage of all the guys that were in the red jerseys during all the off season stuff. Had a good spring, and he really did. So that'll be interesting to and see. And another where he goes. special teams guy. And another that, and that's more yep. importantly, that's what I was going for. Yep. Yeah, more of a return guy compared to Foster, but certainly, hey, he's been documented in that department. Real quickly, just wanted to mention something about the rookie class. A, I've said this multiple times, I think the tight ends are going to be more piecemeal, the snap, so I don't look at necessarily one guy in particular being the overwhelming starter to start. And one other sleeper, Micah McFadden, the fifth-round pick out of Indiana. Not to say that he's going to get a lot of snaps, but the fact that Indiana blitzed him, guys, I just wonder if Wink finds opportunities in blitzing situations to get him on the field and see whether or not he could tap into the way he was utilized in college. Just maybe a guy to look out for in situational football opportunities as a rookie to keep in mind. All right. With that being said, that is going to wrap up Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live as we will be back up and running again on Thursday. We'll continue our opponent preview series. There will be no show on Friday, so Thursday will wrap up the week for us and then we will be back up and running again on Monday of next week. Today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live, it's part of the Giants platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcast. For Paul Dottino and Jeff Fegels, I'm Lance Meadow. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest and we will speak to you on Thursday right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Have a good one. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.